The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James and welcome to the show brought to you by The Athletic UK. And in today's show, we'll do the final word on Saturday's win down in Cardiff. We'll celebrate our victorious under-23s who romped to the league, the PL2 Division 2 at the weekend. We'll look ahead to Blackburn, who no doubt will be looking to avenge their 7-0 defeat at Ewood Park earlier in the season. Some correspondence and then this will catch on at the end and after missing last week's Thursday club I'm very excited to be in charge of the buttons once again and it's the regular Thursday club here today Peter Rutzler hello hello Sammy how you doing fine thank you and Jack Collins how are you yeah hello listeners hello Sammy welcome back um, it's good to have you back it's a funny old time isn't it um, shout out to anyone who's feeling a bit all over the place at the moment because I know I certainly am and, and of course thoughts with anyone affected by what's going on in the world right now um, hopefully we can provide a little bit of distraction uh, full and related to to get you through the end of the week yeah exactly I think um, it's just been hard to know what to think or what to feel really isn't it but hopefully as you say an hour to take your mind away from everything that's going on in the world and just to chat all about FFC which fortunately uh, is very positive right now which is uh, welcome to say the least Um, let's get into Cardiff then and a final word from Saturday Peter you were there down in South Wales and it felt very reminiscent of the Hull win to me Tight, nitty, gritty, a 1-0 win, not many chances, difficult conditions, this time more for the antics of the opposition rather than the quality of the pitch. But it's those wins that get us closer to promotion. And and for me as well, 70 points, something about it feels symbolic, a milestone, if you will. Yeah, it's a, it's a good number, 70 points. I think when you're in 70 points, you're, you're thinking about promotion, you're thinking about the playoffs more, more acutely now. And I, I think you're right, Sammy. I mean, what's that? It's, you know... I think I tweeted it off the game, but um, Cardiff, Hull, Stoke, these recent away games where we've sort of moved away from going to opposition teams and setting home records for worst defeats to just getting the job done. Um, and, you know, there was always that sense that you can't always pull off those kind of amazing results. You can't always be that consistent. But when, when you aren't playing at your best, and Fulham certainly weren't at their best, I thought, um, on Saturday, you're still able to to come away with the three points and you have different tools in your arsenal to, to unpick stubborn defences, which is, which is what we saw with that set-piece goal and, um, and still having the, the bite and the character to come through what became or had the potential to be quite a, a, a sticky game, as you, as you mentioned, Sammy, in terms of how competitive Cardiff were, the physical style. It was interesting that it, you know, the game panned out that way. I know, I know uh, uh, managers, uh, Marco Silver in particular, always says it's going to be a tough game beforehand, but he, t- he did spend a while talking about their aggressive physical style set pieces playing in that direct sort of manner. And uh, it certainly played out that way and, and Fulham looked equipped for it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's another good result. That's nine unbeaten on the road now, isn't it? It's, it's, it's unbeaten on the road since Coventry, which is pretty impressive. You know I mean? When we, I think there's a bit, there was a bit of uh, looking back to that game after Cardiff and the contrast in terms of what we've seen in these recent away games of the, the difference that we've we've seen, and um, that's uh, they've certainly moved on from fears of a, a, a sort of a, a soft underbelly or anything like that. So, 
a big three points again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the soft underbelly tag, I think we can uh, stick in the bin for now. One of our first 16 wins this season was by one single goal and four in the last five of our wins have then been by a single goal. There's definitely been a transition away from smashing teams to pieces. Not that I wouldn't be excited to see that return either. Um, Jack, it was a well-worked goal. Mm-hmm. Um, a lovely move from the Whites. Uh, a bit of blocking uh, we saw again, which allowed Mitro to get the space, um, which w- it was just really, really well worked and just showed that the precision on the training ground um, is really paying dividends in tight games like this. You know, I imagine whether Fulham have a good corner routine doesn't really matter when you're beating teams four or five nil. You're probably going to beat them anyway, but actually it is games like this. And that gives me so much confidence for next season. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of our Fulhamish writers, Dan Cook, did a wonderful thread on just how Mitrovic found himself in that space to to make sure that the goal was in. And the way that he uses, you know, uses Chalaber and, and, and Tosin as kind of, well, again, blocking style kind of things to in order to get himself that space. He shuts Flint off. Um, instead, he runs into Chalaber. Mitrovic gets free at the back post and we all know the rest, right? That that thing happens over and over again. I, I think you're right. You know, one, it's utilising routines uh, when things aren't going necessarily your way. It wasn't a bad performance, I don't think, by, by any stretch of imagination, but it wasn't a good performance either. Um, what it was was solid, composed, um, and we got it done via something that's come off the training ground. And that's so, you know, such a, a nice thing to see. We've talked about it before on the pod. Um, we've talked about the fact that when... You know, it's close when it's tight, when it's a little bit edgy. What you need is something to somebody fall back on when things aren't quite going your way. Um, and Fulham were able to do that. And I think that's absolutely massive. Um, you know, it's just such an incredible, you know, skill to have in the tank, such an incredible fullback option to have in the tank. Um, and I think those three points might be the one that secure automatic promotion. Um, for me, I think that was the one. I saw that result come in. I saw the rest of the results of the weekend. I think, you know, it's 11 points clear now of third. If I think the Mac, if Fulham were to win the two games in hand, um, I use inverted commas because obviously there are other teams with games in hand. The maximum anyone could get to is seventy points um, in the chasing pack. Um, if Fulham were to win both their games in hand, we'd be sixteen points clear um, of the of those places, and I, I think that's huge. Um, that I think will be enough. Um, so you know whether we win those or not, um, and there's obviously that question of, of winning them. The minimum we can be is eleven points clear, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, so we're at a space there where we can look at this and think, okay, you know, this is a good space. We're in a, a good, a good spot. And I think that might be the one that seals the deal in terms of automatics. Yeah, I was reading the Sean Davis column on the Fulham website, Peter, and he said that it's at this point of the season, March, where you can taste promotion, but you can't celebrate yet. And that's quite a difficult time for the squad to kind of keep their heads because they'll know, they look at the table, they're not stupid, right? They'll see and feel that they're close to achieving exactly what they wanted. Of course, I'm sure they want to go one further, get the title, etc. But I guess now it's down to Marco Silva to keep everyone feet on the ground and and just ensure that the standards don't slip really that we don't allow teams if not to overtake us just to to narrow the gap it's it's it, it, it feels like the point in the season now where Fulham can add polish to this season yeah and you know we we know more than more than most how, how things can change very very quickly in football you know runs of form can can transform what looks like a fantastic picture into quite a, a concerning one um but when, when you're into this sort of period of the season it can work two ways can't it I mean it, 
you, you it, it should either galvanize you to get it over the line or it's going to get too much on top of you and the fact that as jack was outlining there is that gap there is that space it, there's not so much of an intensity to it um which can be a real real advantage and it, as you say it's about silver taking that now using it within the squad keeping that competition strong within within you know different elements of different players as well and and, and, and just getting those points on the board. We know we know the fixtures are tough coming up. We know there are some big games. And to be honest, when you actually consider the games that Fulham are in at the moment, because obviously there's still uh, Swansea and Barnsley after Blackburn, um, actually getting points on the board at this time, making sure that Hull finished with three points, making sure that Cardiff finished with three points, even Millwall, you know, Millwall wasn't the best performance either. But just making sure those points were on the board from those games you expect to win it means these games coming up have a different feeling altogether because when you're into that kind of run of those kind of games where you're not firing at your best, you're not actually picking up points either, it's a, it's a different picture. So, yes, it's looking good for now. And um, Jack mentioned uh, Dan Cook's little thread that he did on Twitter about the blocking run uh, to Aidan Flint, which allowed Mitchvic to find the space. Uh, Dan and Ben are starting a new show uh, this week on the Fulhamish YouTube channel called The Whiteboard, uh, where they discuss all things tactics, a little bit of a tactical breakdown on Fulham's play, uh, just some interesting quirks that they've discovered. I'm sure if you listen to both Dan and Ben on this podcast, um, they really know their stuff when it comes to uh, the shape of the game, the structure of the game and, and all things uh, tactics. So yeah, they're doing a little YouTube show uh, and it's well worth a watch. It'll be live on the Fulhamish YouTube later on this week. Let's look then at the runaway leaders of the PL2 Division 2 Fulham's under-23s Peter, a 2-1 win over Aston Villa on Friday to secure the title uh, a tight game but there's nothing narrow about the way that Fulham have absolutely dominated the division this year. With five games to spare they are the champions uh, 55 points, 18 wins out of 21 Um Steve Wigley has performed an absolute masterclass this season with the under-23s. Yeah, he's certainly imbued a, a winning habit into that team, hasn't he? It's three titles now, isn't it, in a row, if you consider the two under-18s teams he'd, he'd worked with before. And that sort of magic, I suppose, has, has rubbed off on the 23s this year, who have really taken their game to another level. You know, the 23s in the last few seasons haven't really excelled in the way that you'd probably expect, especially considering, too, the the strength of the squad and you know the players that have come through we've seen the, the you know the likes of Brian Cessna and Mike Rodak and um, Fabio Carvalho more recently Harvey Elliott these guys coming into the senior setup and um, it's nice now to see that success that the 18s have enjoyed recently sort of translating now into the under 23s and, and reflecting how this generation of players that Fulham have brought through is is really quite strong and um, and you know it does help. There are so many different elements, but of course, with Wigley having worked with those players with the 18s in both seasons, um, being able to pick them up in the 23s and, and take them to that next level has been really exciting. And, you know, they, they weren't at their best on Friday. Um, wasn't the most exciting game. They, they won the game in the end with Sonny Hilton scoring directly from a corner, some uh, suspect goalkeeping. Um, but they did enough. They did enough. And, um, you know, to, to win, it's a 26-game season and to be 23 points clear, I know they played one or two games more than, than Norwich in second, but even so, it's absolutely obscene. Um, you know, and, and we've, there are so many different players and we'll, we'll pick them out. I know we will in a, in a second, but um, in terms of an, as an achievement, it's, it's impressive and it just adds to the sort of winning feeling at the moment. And, you know, there's so much positivity both with the 23s, with the men's team, with the women's team as well, who beat Hounslow at the weekend, who were two tiers above them 
So collectively, there is a real, real positivity around this season. Yeah, Jack, it feels like all levels of Fulham are doing really nicely this season, right down from the first team. Peter mentioned the women's team as well. It's been a year of transition maybe for the 18s, um, but still not a a horrendous season either. It really feels like all aspects of the football club this season have have risen and and hugely exciting times as Fulham hopefully move to the Premier League and will have the foundations and the teams um, supporting it. to kind of match with what our ambitions are at the very top. Yeah, I'd agree. And 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 also in terms of the ground, right? And and opening a new stand next year and opening the ground to its, you know, full capacity and, and increasing that capacity, all of the above adds to that feeling. You know, the the Fulham are upwardly mobile, should I say, at pretty much every level. And that's a good feeling to have about. Now, obviously it can change. And if Fulham, you know, are in the Premier League and struggling and, you know, the the 23s have a, a jump as well. And suddenly you're all looking at different elements of, of how things work. But, you know, as you say, at the moment, everything feels like it's ticking in the right direction. That's obviously a good thing for the club. Um, and hopefully we can build on that momentum at every level um, and including that, you know, with the ground and, uh, and cre- including all of these different teams, looking at how things you know, move across the board. It feels like Fulham are in a good place right now. Um, obviously, morale is key to sustaining that, right? So you'd hope that Fulham are going to, you know, make sure all the, the ducks are in a row if and when those those promotion hopes are achieved for kind of everyone's um, sake. And and I do think that you look at where we are and, and look at what's happening. Um, and I think that right now it feels like Fulham are in a good place, a happy place. Um, and hopefully, you know, that can long continue. Um, Peter, one player, we, we, we've discussed the under 23s a few times this season. And I feel like a lot of players have got different headlines on, or different discussion points at different times. The one player that I did want to kind of discuss mostly because he scored a 12 minute hat trick, uh, against uh, Newcastle in the game beforehand where we won six, one, uh, which was, um, very impressive, to say the least. Um, yeah, Luke Harris. Uh, he seems like uh, an excellent player. He's still very, very young. Uh, he scored in this game against Aston Villa as well to get us back on on level terms. So I was just interested to get a little bit more info on, on him because he seems like a, a real bright, shining star coming through. Yeah, and he, he's still only 16, which is impressive because he's sort of been on on the sort of on the Fulham radar for a little bit now because he was involved with the 18s last year during their under 18 Premier League South success you know he played a number of games scored quite a few goals and uh, I remember in the under 18 Premier League final up at uh, the Etihad campus where Fulham played Manchester City you know at half time Fulham were were a couple goals down and and struggling uh, really um and he came on at half time you know age 15 um schoolboy um and change the game um he's a bright intelligent midfielder um who likes to score goals he has a really good knack of scoring goals and we saw that on friday really i mean he's not the tallest um but yet he's winning a header at the back post from a corner um to find the net um and and speaking to steve wigley afterwards about him you know he he says he's in that mold of uh, a player who just knows he just wants to get in the box to score goals. He's very good at finding space, finding the right time to enter an attacking position to, to score goals. And, and, and Wigley was basically saying that, you know, as a club, you know, that he, as a coach, his perspective is we, we don't want to out, overcoach him here. You know, he's clearly got this intelligence that 
can is quite natural uh, in a way. He's able to read the game in that way. And it's just about putting him in the right position to, to let him thrive. And in that sort of attacking midfield role, he was sort of playing wide, wide left. At least it looked from, from where I was sitting on, um, on Friday night and just sort of drifting and finding space and uh, looking to, to cause problems in, in the final third. Um, and, and it's just about making sure he hones those skills and, and keeps going. But for someone so young to have been involved so much in a really successful under-23 season, it's, it's really impressive. And now he is very young. Um, so always sort of reluctant to talk too much about someone like that. But he scored eight goals from, from 14 games, which is ridiculously impressive. And it's, it's also encouraging to see someone like him at his age, Charlie Robinson's another schoolboy in the under 23s. He's 16. Uh, and having that range of ages, really, you've got that next lot coming through, get, getting those opportunities. You know, the likes of Jay Stansfield's in there as well. And then at the upper end, you've got Sonny Hilton and, and, and Tyrese Francois at 21. So there's a, a real mix and, and, and good to see those younger lads coming through and actually playing and, and having an impact. He's also a Newcastle fan. So he scored a hat trick against the club he grew up supporting. Yeah. He was, I think he was born in Jersey. He's, a, he's yes. born in Jersey, plays for Wales, supports Newcastle, and now lives in Fulham. What a life. <laughs> Luke, young Luke Harris has had. Um, but yeah, um, he was a Newcastle fan. So his uh, mentions were absolutely flooded uh, with Newcastle fans being like, can you play for our first team? And he had to reply to them, be like, I actually am a Newcastle fan. Um, but you know what? He can stay in our black and white for as far as long as he wants, as far as I'm concerned. I did enjoy that some Newcastle, Newcastle were tweeting the score off their official NUFC account. They don't have like an under 23s account. And so Newcastle fans thought that they were the ones that were 4 0 up um, and wondering, who's this Luke Harris kid that scored a hat trick in 12 minutes? He sounds good. And then a few people had to be like, no, we're losing 4 0. Luke Harris doesn't play for our academy. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. Um, without massively wanting to put a downer on this, Jack, we know that. Fulham's record of keeping hold of some of our youngsters hasn't been the best. We've discussed it lows and lows this season about who from this team potentially could have a future in the first team. And I think the answer invariably is, we'll have to wait and see. There's a couple who've got a bit more of a chance than others. But right now, it's difficult to see anyone breaking through, um, particularly when we change divisions so much. But it did get me thinking, could you make an 11, a good starting 11, out of players that could have been for Fulham. So I haven't put too much of a stipulation on this, but I just thought if you could build an ultimate 11 of Academy graduates that got away. Um, and I kind of asked you to do this, some, some homework. I managed to put a team together as well. So what team did you come up with? Well, it depends if you can include Chris Smalling or not, because if you can include Chris Smalling, who we famously bought for some kits and a bag of balls, um, he, then he goes into the team, but if not, and I assume I think, you, I think you can include him at the end of the day, whether he was raised at another academy is one thing, but he was a youngster, a good cat. He was a good prospect that got nipped off of us. So yes, I think you could include him. Okay, in which case I will put him in, um, and mine is going to be a three, four, two, one which is a rogue formation, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, Yessi Yorinen okay. in goal. Yeah. Uh, Omar Richards at left centre-back. Uh, Dan Byrne at centre-centre-back. Chris Smalling at right centre-back. Um, I've gone with Ryan Sessignon at left wing-back. Jed Spence uh, currently tearing things up uh, with Borough, uh, with Forrest uh, at right wing-back. Uh, on loan from Borough. 
Yeah, it's it's all very confusing, but he is at he is at he is at Forest yeah. now, right? Yeah, but yeah absolutely. But I, I, was, I was defending you. Borough is fair enough, but he yeah, yeah on loan. Well, it's, that's only because of the form of uh, Isaiah Jones. So you know what? They have yeah. so many right wing backs going on up there. Um, the midfield has Matt O'Reilly, who's who started his Celtic career beautifully, um, and probably Mo Hindman, I think, um, who's found himself a new lease of life at Atlanta United, uh, which is nice to see. Now that's probably the. The, the point where you go to the lowest at, at this level, I think. Um, Cody Drama as well might be a little bit unlucky not to not to feature in here. Tyo Eden's been very good for Blackburn this year. Um, so they, they're, they're all on the bench. Um, but I've got a front three of Abere Etze, Harvey Elliott and Moussa Dembele, um, which I think is probably <laughs> pretty good. The bench is quite interesting. Um, Abere Etze wasn't there for very long, was he? He was there for he's like... still going in, mate, unfortunately. If he was an academy product that got away, he's going into this deal. Um, <laughs> there's, some, there's some really random ones. Obviously, Josh Bowler's been getting a lot of attention this year. He's on the bench. Johan Berg-Gudmundsen, um, famously doing bits and bobs at Burnley for a number of years. He's on the bench. Corley Woodrow's on the bench. Elijah Adebayo's on the bench. Uh, William Troost-Akong. There you go. At Watford now, Nigerian centre-back. He's on the bench. I had no idea about that. And uh, Neil Etheridge as well. So uh, And Luca De La Torre, who's at Heracles, in, um, who's at Heracles in, in the Netherlands. There was also a shout-out for Muama Tankovic, who started to find a little bit of form. At, um, I think he's at Ike Athens. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of, of lads scattered around Europe, but that's the team I put together. Joranen, Richardsburn, uh, Smalling, Sess, Jed Spence, O'Reilly and Hyman in centre midfield, and then Eze and Harvey Elliott behind Moussa Dembele. It's not a bad side. Can you have Dan Byrne? Can I have Dan Byrne? Got released by us. We let his contract expire. I feel like, I don't know. That's still, feels... that's still one that got away, isn't it? You just didn't sign. It's like, I'm a Richard. We let, we let, o, so we let O'Reilly's contract expire too, didn't we? Yeah, but we... Oh, rejected. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Similar, yeah. similar thing. Similar thing, though. If you are letting them go, I still think, yeah, it's one you got away, I suppose, isn't it? I guess the thing with Dan Byrne is none of us were really shedding a tear when Dan Byrne left, yet did we, little did we know that he was going to be years later best a 13 back, million. The best left back in the country. Um, yeah, well, we're doing absolutely bits for Newcastle and cost 13 million. I think the only one in there that I would have potentially thought you could have put in was Lasse Vegan Christensen, maybe. Although he's not really done much since he left. He no, felt like a real... bombing around in bombing around what up about, in Scandinavia. Um, what about Rob Atkinson at Bristol City? Yeah, I did play? think this. Um, I, I just, at the moment, I'm not quite ready to make that call. But I think if we did this team in about two years' time, Rob Atkinson's probably going to be in there. So my 11 was very, very similar. Um, it was, I've changed it a little bit from the one I uh, came up with yesterday. So I put Neil Etheridge in goal over Yorinen, but very, very close. I'm, I'm doing a 3-5-2, which is a ridiculously attacking formation, but we're, in, we're living in theoretical land. I went with Omar Richards, uh, Chris Smalling and Jed Spence you, as the back you three. You Jed Spence a right centre-back? Yes. Wow, wow, you've really gone for it. Okay. He did play there for a bit at Fulham in the academy, so it's not actually completely inaccurate. <laughs> there we go. I've gone for a midfield of Matt O'Reilly, Harvey Elliott, Emerson Hyman. I've got Ryan Sessegnon and Patrick Roberts on the wings. And then uh, Moussa Dembele and Elijah Adebayo up front. I mean, it's pure vibes. It's not doing any defending, um, apart from Chris Smalling basically on his own with Neil Etheridge at the back. But we'd have a lot of fun. We'd win. A, we'd lose a lot of games, four or five, I think. That's all we're after, really. That's all we're after. 
I mean, Peter, it is just quite an indication of just how much talent Fulham have seen through their door over the years. I, I would be interested to know if other clubs could do something similar to what we've just reeled off, which is players that within the last five-ish years have been in the Fulham Academy and in many cases are maybe between Premier League and Championship level players. Like it, it's mightily impressive. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure other clubs are in a similar situation. I'm trying to think of one on the spot, but I mean, what, QPR maybe? You know, they had Harvey Elliott for a tiny bit. A berry, or they had a berry. I do. I feel like you couldn't include Eze. I felt like that was a rogue suggestion from Jack. Um, But it's yes, other clubs will have similar issues. Is it more acute at Fulham, or does it feel more acute at Fulham? Yeah, of course it does, because it seems to be a recurring problem, Um, and it's one that they're aware of. You know, it's it's not a new thing. Um, I think the key factor that will change that will really help change things is stability in the Premier League, providing that elite platform on a consistent basis with the opportunity to break into that setup, you know, show your worth at the highest level because a lot of these players will go on to that level. Now there are so many, we've talked about this loads of times, but there's so many variables, you know, I, I think they'll look back at say Omar Richards and think that was a mistake. But then for someone like Eberieze, for example, who's only there for a short time, um, he was released by quite a few clubs. And sometimes it takes that to, to, to then get those opportunities. Um, or to to change your mindset, to change your approach, for things to click, to be in the right environment. Um, it's a hard it's a hard thing to do. Now, when you start seeing it consistently, that's where things become more concerning. And I think where part of the issue is, you want to take advantage of these players as much as you can, whether that be in the first team or financially. Um, and they have, you know, we've seen Fabio Carvalho's played. Are they going to make the most of it financially? We'll have to see. Doesn't look like it. Mike Rodak's played. Um, Brian Sessegnon played good financial outcome and you want more Ryan Sessegnons. I think that's, that's the ultimate aim and that that's, that's harder to do unless you get that Premier League platform. And speaking of Ryan Sessegnon, part the, partly what gave me the inspiration to ask about this team um, is there is a piece on Ryan Sessegnon's recent development at Spurs. He's been getting a run in the first team. Um, Charlie Eccleshare, the, the athletic Spurs writer wrote this one. And Peter, you also have a piece coming up on, uh, Jed Spence as well. So plenty of reading on, uh, some former Fulham Academy prospects and, uh, and how they're getting on at their various clubs. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, it's good to see Sessignon get an opportunity now. It feels like that wing back position under Conte will suit him. It's nice that he's got that chance. Um, it's interesting hearing some of Conte's comments recently about saying, trying to talk him up as much as possible and say, he's got to believe this himself. You know, he's got to have that sort of mentality. And um, maybe now is the chance finally for him to push on. He's still only 21, isn't he? Um, So, you know, (laughs) it does feel like a while ago that he was at Fulham, but um, his best years of his uh, career ahead of him. So he's in a good environment there and hopefully he'll kick on. And then as you say, yeah, Jed Spence, obviously Jack mentioned earlier, you know, he's flying at Borough. Um, Hasn't all been easy since he left Fulham. um, he was another one brought in by, by Colin Amogbahin, who's in the same youth team as Emil Smith-Rowe at Junior Elite, uh, the Sunday league team that he founded. So, um, yeah, a good player. Wasn't always easy at Fulham up and down. Um, ultimately was released, you know, and that'll be another one. If, if The more he does well, then the more you think, well, could circumstances have been different? But, you know, sometimes it takes the right environment, uh, as the piece will show. You know, it's he's found a good environment at, at, uh, at Forest, and uh, my colleague Paul Taylor is uh, watching him every week, and he's... Uh, He's took a lead on that one. So yeah, that should be out this week. 
Yeah, and if you want to read that Ryan Sessignor piece and the upcoming Jed Speds piece, you can get The Athletic right now for £1 a month for the first six months by going to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. Right, we'll leave part one there. Afterwards, we're going to look ahead to Blackburn on Saturday. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here and I'm joined by Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Peter Rutzler. Hello. Right, let's have a look then at Blackburn on Saturday, a 12.30 kickoff. Four of our next five matches in March, all live on Sky. So I guess good for those that can't make the matches, but a lot of differing kickoff times coming up in the next few weeks. And we start off with Blackburn on Saturday, who have had a very, very good season. Not that Fulham uh, saw their best moment. Of course, this is the game, Jack, where Blackburn and Tony Mowbray's side will be looking to avenge that 7-0 from earlier in the season. Uh, it was such a land landmark moment in both of our seasons. I think for us, this was like a, oh my God, what have we got on our hands moment. And for Blackburn, you thought it might be the moment where they, I don't know, sack Mowbray or really go on a downward spiral down the league. But actually it was very much the opposite that happened. It inspired an incredible run of form for Blackburn uh, in November and December, which briefly even took them above Fulham uh, at the beginning of the new year. Things have cooled down a little bit for Blackburn. Losing Ben Barrett and Diaz to injury is obviously a massive blow uh, for them and what they are trying to achieve. But that win on Saturday against QPR in the circumstances was very, very welcome. I know that plenty of people think that they might drop out the playoffs, but that was certainly a win uh, that proved a few doubters wrong. And yeah, I think this is going to be a really, really difficult test for us on Saturday. Goes without saying, potentially. Um, But there's lots of factors that mean that if Fulham can win, this I think it would be a huge win yeah absolutely um couldn't agree more I mean that was their first goal they scored in six games since something like a month um I think they won one nil at Middlesbrough um where well they went away against Middlesbrough where Sam Gallagher got a really good goal on the spin but apart from that they've not really scored any goals really this year (laughs) Um, three goals in nine games I think yeah I mean they've scored once well, in the league, they've scored three this in, in 2022, which is pretty uncomfortable <laughs> viewing, I'd imagine, if you're a Blackburn Rovers fan. They haven't conceded all that many either, to be fair to them. Um, so so there is there is that to, to hang on to. But yeah, it, it doesn't look particularly pretty. Um, that said, they'll have, they've got a boost from that win over QPR. It felt like the kind of battle of those on the cusp or on the edge um, or, or of making a run at that second spot, didn't it? And and Blackburn fundamentally came out on top, despite the fact that they weren't very good um, for long periods of it. Look, this game looked like it was going to be a far harder and far more arduous task um, a couple of weeks ago um, than it does right now. But that's not to say that this isn't a good team. And as you say, Sammy, out for revenge. Um, they don't concede many. They've, they've become defensively quite sound since we put seven past them in a funny sort of turn of events. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's one of those games where we get the early goal. I think we win. Ooh, to be honest, I think we score first, we win it. Um, and uh, that's as far as I could. But it could be that kind of frustrating game where if we concede a stupid goal um, in the same way that we did against Huddersfield, right? If we do something silly, um, then it can. It, it's the kind of game that can get on top of you because they don't concede many. As we say, you know, they are a well-drilled team. They'll be out for events. They'll be well up for this. 
Uh, and I think that off the back of last week, they'll feel like they're back in contention to try and catch that second spot. Um, so there is all of those elements to consider. But I think considering their injury problems and, and considering where they are right now compared to where they were at the back end of 2021, you'd look at this as an easier game than it did look at that point. I just did some quick fag packet calculations. They've only conceded nine goals since we put seven past them um, since the beginning of November, which is quite incredible, really, when you think about what happened that night, Peter. It was just... I guess we've seen it a few times since then, but you have to remember how kind of awesome that night was to see Fulham score seven away from home. We've almost got used to it now in in the months... Uh, afterwards, but Blackburn completely folded, didn't they? After going down to 10 men and going 2-0 down. Um, It was quite something to behold that night. And I think of all the games this season, and look, we don't know what's going to come, but I still think it's the one for me that just stands out as the biggest kind of wow moment from Marco Silva's Fulham because everyone was like, oh yeah, Fulham are good. And then we did that. And I think a lot of people stood up and paid attention that night. But of course, in this game, it really writes Tony Mowbray's pre-match talks for him. Prove prove that that was a fluke. Prove that that was a one-off. Yeah, no, absolutely. Of course it does. And, uh, and I think you're right. I think for me, that game was the standout moment this season. Um, because of its implications, because of the, the shock and awe factor of it, and and the fact that you know it set records, and and we have become a bit um, numb to the record breaking a little bit, I suppose, um, because we've seen it so consistently. Um, but no, of course, this is going to be a different test. I don't think we saw the Blackburn um, that we've seen elsewhere do very very well this season. Um, we still won't see them at full strength without Ben Burton Diaz, but they should be far more organized. Um, they were undone, as we talked about after that game, by trying to keep themselves competitive in the game after going down to 10 men and it just backfired horrendously. Um, but for this one, I, it's going to be a tough game. And I think considering, I know we've talked a bit about um, Fulham's good away form um, and having this develop this grit and this ability to grind out results. Um, I don't think Fulham's recent home games have been particularly impressive uh, and mm. that's been concerningly consistent so obviously there's the defeat obviously they beat Peterborough just about uh, that was probably the most encouraging turn but again it's Peterborough who haven't been doing very well this year if, they, if Fulham weren't playing in a performance like that particularly second half then um, then you'd be very very concerned but that was fine but then you look at Huddersfield and you look at the Millwall game as well which wasn't overly convincing Blackpool was a draw, a draw as well. And you do think that Fulham need to sort of find a gear again. They need to step it up again for an opponent like Blackburn. Um, because when you start to fall into that sort of pattern of doing well, you know, but not quite hitting those those levels, you, you may struggle to get back to them. So, um, look, Fulham are in a great position. Confidence is going to be sky high. There's no reason to say that they can't get back to what we saw in early January. I mean, it's... It's only a couple of few weeks ago that we, we were talking about them scoring six consistently. So um, nothing overly concerning. But, but all I'd say is Fulham would need to, will need a different level of performance and, and to avoid the mistakes that we've, we've seen, like, at, like in the Peterborough game. Um, we saw early in the Cardiff game as well that it wasn't punished, that long ball over the top that Collins was in and should have scored. Uh, it was a good save from Mike Rodak. So those are the kind of things that may get punished in a game like this. Um, and, and just 
getting the job done in that way would be would be impressive and put them in an even better position. Jay Collins uh, bottling it in front of goal. My shock. Oh, we'll have that. We'll take it. Um, to be fair, <laughs> J- James Collins is one of the worst players I've ever seen in an Ireland shirt. So I will, um, I will, I will take that. Um, just this moment on Jan Paul Van Heck, who got sent off in the reverse fixture. He's been actually magnificent through most of the season. Um, he's on loan, if I'm not mistaken, from Brighton. Um, and he's been absolutely sensational. Uh, at the back for Blackburn, apart from in that one game against us where he just went absolutely off the rails and tried to decapitate someone. Um, so, <laughs> Kung fu kick. Yeah, so, you know, there is that kind of element as well that we we took advantage of of a situation where probably for me, their best defender in in this season um, wasn't, wasn't on the, in on the pitch because of his own stupidity. Um, we'd have to, you know, put that. I'd imagine he's got a bit of a thing to put right as well. So um, there'll be an interesting battle there, and interesting to see what he can do if he stays on the pitch for ninety minutes this time. And as for Fulham, Peter, it's a run now of four games in two weeks because we've got a couple of midweeks consecutively with that Swansea game coming up next week and then the West Brom game midweek after that. So Fulham are going to have to manage their squad again. I was interested to see the Chalaba-Reed pairing at Cardiff. It seems like one of the few places where Marco likes to uh, switch up his team, I guess also on the wings occasionally, he does freshen that up with a Decadova Reed coming in. I just can't work out what's going to be the midfield pairing for the rest of the season. I'm completely bamboozled and there's pros and cons to kind of every combination between Seri, Chalaba, Reed and Kearney. There is only space for two of them. All four of them are good enough to be in the side. Do you think we're going to see regular rotation between now and the end of the season? Or do you have a feeling that he is going to settle on a, on a particular pairing? I think with these games coming up, I, I think you're right. I think it'll be hard to see a settled trio or, or, or pairing in that midfield because, I mean, it's the especially the next week with the trips to Swansea and a trip to Barnsley, that's an extra time taken out of recovery and, and training session. So it's going to be a, a, a tight few weeks. Um it's a good thing to have, isn't it? You know, to have those options. It was interesting hearing Silver talk through his reasoning for bringing Chalba back in for Cardiff as opposed to, to keeping Jean-Michel Serri. He said Serri was sort of, you know, perfect for, for, for Peterborough because they expected them to sit deep. And when you have a team that's not going to be applying themselves in that way, having someone like Serri is going to, he's very good at finding the gaps. I suppose Tom Kearney would also, but would also be that, but he's obviously been sidelined with illness. Um, obviously, then taken to the to the Cardiff game where a completely different thing was expected, a very physical game, something that you need Chalaba for because they're good at set pieces and Chalaba can win those headers. And we saw for the goal that, that Fulham won the game through that Chalaba was instrumental in that uh, by, by taking part in those uh, blocking blocking routines. Um, so it's good to have those options. I think, you know, the, Reed, and, Reed and Chalaba were perfect for Cardiff. You needed that physicality and that bite. How does that sort of work to towards Blackburn? Now, that's not to say that Jean-Michel Serri can't play <laughs> against teams that are competitive and can bite in midfield. Of course he can. We've seen it this season. Um, but it does does pose a question for Silver. We know we know he likes balance. Um, he, w- he won't want to, doesn't like to go full in one way. He won't like a completely defensive sort of midfield. He won't like a midfield that's just full of creatives, which we've seen and obviously did quite well. Forrest comes to mind for that, but that's not, a preference so finding the right mix for the right team and they do offer different things Chalaba has the height that physicality that dynamism can do box to box probably 
isn't as creative. Reed again, very energetic. Uh, lots of industry in that midfield area can play in that six and be um, and, and hold his positioning very very well. Um, and then obviously Carvalho and, and Kearney creatives, different types of creatives as well. Um, and probably take it over Reed if he wants to. I mean, it's 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 a great position to be in, and it's it's almost like finding the right pieces for the for the puzzle, isn't it? To 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 match up with your opponent and 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 undo them and. Yeah, that would be the key area. Obviously, the wings, as you mentioned, too. Um, Niskins Cabana had a slight hamstring issue. He felt it in the first half against Peterborough, I think Marcus Silva said. Played on a little bit, came off, didn't feel right in the next couple of days, uh, but doesn't seem very serious. So he did some running on the morning of the game. So he should be back. Um, that attacking three hasn't been as consistent, I suppose. Um, he, that was sort of locked in, wasn't it, that those three would play every time. But Bobby Deckard have really forced himself into that picture now. So um, questions to be asked there. And then, uh, yeah, Anthony Robinson's the other one who's out, wasn't he, with, uh, with illness. So uh, we'll see about that. But in terms of midfield, it's, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I'm also interested to see what impact uh, Ivan Cavallero also has uh, coming back as well. I think he's been particularly impressive off the bench. As, uh, so another option there for Marco Silva to use. I think he's going to be a useful player between now and the end of the season. And I think um, any flack that he got last season for me, I think is is not relevant to the conversation now because I, I don't think he instantly becomes a bad player within one season. And, and I think this is a very different even Cavallero Valero to what we saw under Scott Parker. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he's always going to be slightly frustrating. He's got that kind of temperament that he will look to shoot from angles that don't always work. Um, but he was never a number nine. He was being played in a role that I don't think he was particularly familiar with, um, that he didn't particularly suit. I know that Parker wanted him in that position because of his pressing strengths, and I do appreciate what he was trying to do there, um, but it didn't work for anybody. But coming in off that left-hand side, being able to you know cut inside and, and pick out those crosses and pick out those, those strikes from the edge of the box, where we know he's good, where he was excellent for Wolves, where he excelled in that first season in the championship under, under Parker as well. Um, I, I think that we will see more from Cav here than, than we had before. And look, I, I remember right at the start of the season and we, that game against Huddersfield where obviously he scored twice after coming off the bench and people were saying, oh, Louis Bowe's clearly been working with him. You know, Louis, he's, he's clearly been getting in his head. And I'm not sure any of that was necessarily true. I'm, I'm sure he does work with the wingers because he was a fantastic winger in his day and he was a wonderfully clinical winger at times. Um, but also, I just do think that Cav has that in his locker when he's coming in from those wide positions um, rather than running off the shoulder of the last man um, where you get those kind of far less time to think about where you're trying to put your strike. Um, and I agree. I think he's going to be a big player from here to the end of the season. All right, we'll leave it there. After the break, we'll do some emails and then this will catch on. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy James here with Peter Rutzler and Jack Collins. Uh, let's get into some of your emails. And the first one I just wanted to do, I was a little shout out to Freddie Coote. On, uh, he's done his 33rd away game for Fulham at the age of nine years old. Uh, I've met Freddie and his dad, Simon, a couple of times. And Freddie is the sweetest little Fulham fan you could ever care to meet. He absolutely bleeds black and white. Um, every 
everything in his life uh, revolves around Fulham and going to away games. Uh, I know he absolutely loves it and uh, he listens to the podcast as well. So hopefully you appreciate a shout out and, and good work, mate. That is a lot of away games, a lot of miles on the clock uh, at nine years old. And uh, no doubt you'll be part of the Fulham hardcore uh, at the back uh, coming up with all come. the chance in the future as well. So uh, big shout out on, to Freddie uh, for, for traveling all around the country and all the other kids as well uh, that, that do that as well. Week in, week out. Uh, it's always uh, greatly appreciated, I'm sure, by the team. Uh, let's get into some questions before this will catch on. First one from Fred H over on the Fulhamish community. Well worth joining. It's a lot of fun over there. And he says, please, can you discuss the Balotelli rumor? It's clearly BS, but it's got to be discussed. Um, yes, Peter, I clearly marked this in the uh, early season transfer rumour nonsense that Fulham were linked with Mario Balotelli. Um, any any credence to this? I mean, it would be quite fun, probably explosive and probably end in tears. But yeah, I enjoyed the rumour, if little else. Ballo and Mitra up front would be a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. Isn't he doing quite well in Italy? He scored, as in, is it Italy? No, he's in, he's Turkey, in Turkey now, isn't he? He's, 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 he's scoring goals. Not loads of goals, but some goals. There was a really good interview with yeah. Mario Balotelli by Neda Manua on The Athletic. It was uh, so today, good. Actually. It was so it's good. It's really, really worth your time. He's, he's doing okay. He's got sort of one in two um, across the course of the season, which is not bad going at all. He's got a fun little team going on here. There's a, a couple of names you might remember. Matthias Vargas. Remember him? Loic Remy's in this squad. Britta Sombolonga's in this squad. Eunice Belhanda's in this squad. Jonas Svensson's in this squad. There's some, there's some fun stuff happening here um which is quite fun look Adana Demerspor came up last season right they got promoted from I think it's called the one league I don't really know it's the second tier of Turkish football um and they're just outside the uh the old Europa Conference League qualification spots they're fifth in the table um you know obviously Trabzon Spor have run away with the title Konya Spor Basakşehir here and Fenerbahce are sort of battling out for that second Champions League spot and the two spots below them and then one point behind them ahead of Besiktas well ahead of Galatasaray are Adana Demirspor so shouts out to them we've had some good stories about teams getting promoted and doing well this year we had Raya Vallecano who had a really good first half of the season in Spain um there was a couple Estor de Praia in the Primeira they started really well as well um, the team who are winning the Belgian top tier ahead of Denis Sedoy's club Brugge are um, Union Saint-Gilois who were promoted last season um, which is pretty mental um, but yeah Adana Demerspor just another promotion fairy tale kicking into the Euro- European spots and Mario Balotelli leading the way and providing inspiration for Fulham next season all of those teams maybe will join I was, I was thinking about this. Would you spontaneously combust if Fulham qualified for the Europa Conference League? Yeah, probably. Would that be, would that be peak Jack Hollins? No, I am actually still a Europa League ultra ahead of a Europa Conference League ultra. My allegiance still still lie with the Europa League. I do like the Conference League, but my allegiances are very much still that orange and black as opposed to the new green and silver. Um, okay. So, so yeah, it's um, it, it would be going back to the Europa League would be the one that I think would make me explode. But it would be well fun to get in the Conference League anyway, wouldn't it? You just like oh walk around in like Bulgaria for a few days and stuff. A great time. 
Wonderful. Uh, please, Fulham, make it happen. Uh, it'd be absolutely sensational. Uh, next question from Elizabeth. She said, been thinking about uh, the games in hand situation in the championship, especially for Bournemouth, and wondering if there's any precedent for this kind of disparity and what it usually means, if anything. I mean, Peter, Bournemouth's fixture list is quite wild to say the least i also found out that they are supposed to play middlesbrough on the date of the fa cup semi-finals so not only could huddersfield be delayed because of the quarterfinals because that's the day they're supposed to play huddersfield they also could have to try and uh, find a place for middlesbrough after they qualified now for the quarterfinals and given how they played against spurs last night i'm not putting anything past middlesbrough especially if they get a tie at the riverside um it's a wild situation down there on the on the south coast. They're in for a very very busy uh, April and early May. Um, but yeah, any kind of do, do we do we know much about what this means for Bournemouth? It's it's a hell of a fixture pile up. Well, yeah, this just means it's going to be very very busy for them, I suppose. <laughs> Makes their promotion push even even more difficult. But you know, when you're talking about that many games in such a short amount of time, I mean the the, the real impact is is on is on players and fitness you know i think there's a general consensus that you need about 72 hours for recovery between games at the very least um and when you're starting to put pressure on that consistently um it's going to cause issues so uh, i would rather it was them than than fulham i suppose it's probably the best way to put it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's still a few combinations before they really start having to worry. But I did. They must be looking at the fixture schedule and going like, "Oh, for God's sake, not another one uh, for Fulham." But yeah, I, I think my main thing is that I because they're going to have so many fixtures at the end of the season. I think that if Fulham are to win the title, I almost think it's probably not going to happen on our terms anymore. I think it's more likely to happen in a game where Bournemouth. Uh, have a game in hand because they've got so many at the end of the season. I don't think there's going to be a title party uh, at Dean course unless Fulham really Dean give it Court. some. Look at you going all old school on us. Oh, whatever. The Vitality Stadium, Dean select car Court. leasing stadium. You can't keep up with these new names these days, Jack. I'm in my thirties now. I'm basically, yeah, I'm basically an ancient relic. Yeah. Um, Dan says, this is not really a question, but just quite a nice thought. He says, we need 18 goals for 100 and Mitro needs nine to bury Whittingham. Reckon they could happen at the same time. How beautiful would that be? Yeah. Fulham getting their hundredth goal and Mitro breaking the record at the same time. Plausible, Jack. Plausible yeah, would be fun. Can't out. If he scores every goal from here to then, will he hit fifty at the same time as we break a hundred? Because that could be fun. Um, yes. Yeah, that that, there, that could be the one. That's that the works. one for me, actually, Chief. That's the one for me. <laughs> you can you can start thinking about that all time second tier record, like fifty nine or whatever it was. Ten wins from thirteen, and we get to a hundred points. Okay as well so maybe Mitrovic could score the 50th goal in the 10th win of the 13 that would take us to 100 points and his 50th there you go there's poetry you remember they put the something on the screen about Mitrovic record breaking when he scored that goal against Pisa I think the screen would explode yeah. from the amount of things that they need to mention at once like 100 goal 50th goal promotion the title <laughs> they just have to like basically just get the fireworks out Turn up. fireworks get me in that swimming pool top. that's why I say get me in that swimming <laughs> pool <laughs> get your trunks out everyone 
Right, let's do This Will Catch On. Uh, first of all, before we uh, read her This Will Catch On, just some reaction on last week's This Will Catch On. This is from David Smith on Instagram. He said, I think the Chalaba song from last week got an unduly harsh response. By itself, Chalaba, la, 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 la. That's not his that name. La- <laughs> <laughs> That's why it was funny. It was like Chalaba, la, ba, la, ba, ba. <laughs> <laughs> He says it works brilliantly as a song and he's had it in his head all week. So there. Mate, I've had, you know, Baby Shark in my head for the last two years. It's make a good song. <laughs> all right. Jack, Jack's sticking by his guns. I enjoy it. I mean, yes, I do get that there was the line <laughs> and Super Kevin McDonald that waits at the finish line for me um, was a little bit too many syllables for how many was required. A little but- bit. <laughs> It was about double the amount of line work. <laughs> <laughs> you needed a whole new line. <laughs> uh, first email is from FFC Faithful. Ben Mogridge uh, did the song last week, which was to the Carpenters uh, for Top of the League. And FFC Faithful came up with just some adaptations that he thought could work for the song. He doesn't want to take credit from Ben Mogridge, but he just changed up the lyrics a little bit. He didn't give us a voice memo here, but I've got the lyrics. We did say that this had the potential to catch on if it was, you know touched up a little bit so I'm, I'm i'm here for this so it's because we're top of the league scotty above your bournemouth scotty and the only explanation we can find is that parker ball is gone and now we're playing silver's song and that's put us top of the league yeah um, there's too much scott parker stuff going on here isn't there that's that's the actual the actual problem yeah, a little I bit. I saw, I like, I, I saw someone do a version of this, which is, or, or, or saw some versions of this during around that were looking down on the Rangers, which I kind of liked a fair bit. Um, yeah. I mean, we could change it. If we got promoted and Brentford got relegated, we could do, we're Premier League and we're looking down on, and that would work, right? That would work. So let's, let's maybe, let's maybe keep re- it, keep it, sim- let's reassess, keep it in the tank, keep it in the tank. Keep it simple for Brentford. Bees down, full them up, play them at their own game, please. I would love nothing more. Play them at their own game. That's like when, it's like when, um, when fans at home, get, when you're in an away game and the fans start singing a song and you have a song to it as well and you join in, but with your version of it, it's trying oh, down yeah. the map. But obviously all you can hear is them and it just makes their, their, their song sound louder. Yeah. It really winds me up. Yes. Like it really gets in my nut. I don't know why. It's just one of those things that really annoys Jack. I No, no, no. I, I am with you. I almost sometimes want to stand up on my chair and go, stop it. Stop it. Don't join in. It's their yeah. song. Don't try and add to it. Yeah, if you do anything in that voice while I'm near you at a football match, I will walk out. So uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going to stand on my chair and tell people to stop it. But um, it's just what I'm thinking inside my head. Uh, yeah, okay. Right. First chant is from James Wilson, who says, at Fulhamish Pod, Here's some inspiration to the tune of Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. Oh, for God's sake, we're getting Rick rolled. <laughs> the lyrics are Mitro's gonna wind you up, your defense is gonna let you down, Neeskins is gonna run around and desert you, Marek's gonna make you cry, Reman Tosin gonna say nice try, Kenny's gonna left foot a curler and beat you. It's a lot of lyrics. Well, yeah. It's good. Don't get me wrong. Although I don't like the, I don't like the way that it doesn't rhyme at the end. Yeah. 
it's all right my problem that's my problem original charm but i can't see it catching on for me six out of ten i I don't want to get rick rolled either like i'm 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 not i'm not gonna lie i can't i can't pretend to like it i don't like it i don't want it okay i don't want it to catch you on fair enough right let's get some audio ones in this one is from oscar roland says hello to all the lads on the fulhamish podcast and ladies thank you very much i thought i would capitalize on the lack of chalaba chance and send this in it's to the tune of here comes the hot stepper by any (laughs) Mosey. <laughs> now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. Or more famously, here comes the shopkeeper featuring Mohammed Al Fayed. Is that a thing? Yeah, uh, uh, Ali G did it on his show. When Al Fayed went on his show, he did a version of this where he was just like, here comes the shopkeeper. And Al Fayed was like, Al Fayed. No way. Background. It's unbelievable. I- I'll get it. I'll find, I'll dig it out, put it on the feed. I've never seen this. I feel like I've maybe missed out on a uh, early 2000s cultural touchstone here. Anyway, he said, I was also surprised that this song has not been used in other chants and I have several iterations of it for different players. Maybe I can send some in for future episodes if this one goes down well. He then says, if you can forgive my awful singing while my parents were downstairs, then hopefully this chant will catch on. Uh, So here is Oscar Rowland to (laughs) Hot Stepper by Inny Kamosi. He plays in white and black, Chalaba, he wins the ball back, Chalaba, he puts us on the attack, Chalaba, he's solid at the back, Chalaba. Na 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 I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. It's just incredibly monotone. It's like, like, I didn't want to be heard. He was like, I can't be heard singing this one. People will will laugh at me. Yeah. He's singing it into his coat while there's a phone just recording. Exactly. On the back of a bus. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's good. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. It's better. It's it's the most likely of the Chalaba chants we've heard so far to catch on. Yeah, and I could see the na 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 yeah. catching on. That was good. Okay, another Nat Chalaba one here. He says, whilst this will definitely not catch on, attached is Nat Chalaba to the tune of Feliz Navidad. <laughs> <laughs> The lyrics, Nat Chalaba and He's Chalaba, were both considered, and I don't think I've made the right call. Please don't use my full name if the clip gets used on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And this one's from George Smith. No, I'm joking. His name's not George Smith. His name's just George, but I thought uh, I'd I'd try and wind him up for a second. George, I do know your surname, but I will keep it to myself. Uh, It's Coops, isn't it? It's Coops. No, it isn't Cooper. It isn't. Well, he may, unless he's got a burner email address, it isn't George Cooper. So here is Nat Chalaberta Feliz Navidad. With music, I should add. Is that part of the lyrics? Nat Chalaber. Nachalaba Nachalaba Silver's man in the middle of a park This is nice On his left is Anthony Robson On his right is Nico Williams Behind him is Ad Rabio He's Nathaniel Chalaba I'm not sure about the middle eight, but the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, it was good. 
I enjoyed it. It's very pleasant. Yeah. yeah, you've got a nice voice, George. He does have a nice voice. That was my first thing as very, well. That very, very soft and very soft and pleasant. Yeah. I do enjoy that now the chance of uh, people are putting on backing tracks for them as well, like just going to that next level for this will catch on. So, George. I think we might need to work on that middle bit, but, you know, on the whole, not bad. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Right, the next one is from Tim Miller. He says, this might be too big an ask. Do you remember Buggles' video killed the radio star from 1979? I know Jack and I are young and so is Peter, but of course we know video killed the radio star. I don't remember it being released. I'll give you that. Yeah, I wasn't there when it... I I didn't buy the vinyl, but I do know the song. I remember the feeling covering it in about 2008. How about that? Very, very good. (laughs) Probably, he says, probably not because I imagine you weren't born, but I have fond memories of this one. And given that the ABBA marketplace is a bit crowded, I've chosen it as inspiration for tribute to a very different star. So here is Video Killed the Radio Star for (laughs) Alexander Mitrovich. Mitrovich killed the Brentford star. Ivan Tony's record didn't stretch far. He'll bag 40 come what may. A goal scoring record that's here to stay. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. I feel like it deserves well one more play. Well done, Come on, Tim. Yeah. One more. Mitrovic killed the Brentford star. <laughs> Ivan Tony's record didn't stretch far. He'll bag 40 come what may. Oh, A goal-scoring record that's here to stay. Phenomenal. Well done, Absolutely Tim. excellent. Oh. I'm enjoying myself now. Right, final one. This is from Rosie. She says, hi, I am an 11 year old Fulham fan living in Blackpool who enjoys the This Will Catch On section. After hearing both Super Trooper and the Rihanna chant, I was inspired to do Our House by Madness. I hope you like it from Rosie. Uh, I love this song and I love that an 11 year old Rosie has decided that she's going to use, you know, like an 80s cult scar classic as the base for her chant well done rosie good start this feature knows no bounds i'll hand it over to rosie fallen on the edge of river thames fallen yeah the goals they never end fallen kenny's corner save the day fallen more goals because mitro's on his way very very good, good. Very good. Excellent. Very good. Top that's stuff. good. And that actually legit might catch on. Yeah. That's easy. We can could, we could work with that. That's quality. We can overlook. Simple. We can overlook this written by Suggs. Yeah, that was my only point. But Yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. It's good. It works. I'm here for it. Well done, Rosie. Thank you, Rosie. And thank you for all your chants. Keep sending them to hello at fullamish.co.uk. I like Kearney's Corners Save the Day. No one's gone down that route. Before. No, no. That's good. No one makes a chance about corners. That's that. No one, no one thinks down those lines enough. No, but maybe they should, considering how many we've scored from this season. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. If, you can well do a, done, if you can do a song about Fulham's uh, profligacy from set pieces, that would be uh, wonderful, please. Uh, right, that'll do for the podcast today. Uh, thank you very much to Peter Rutzler. No, thanks for having me, Sammy. And thanks to Jack Collins. Thank you, Sammy. Right, have a great weekend. Hopefully Fulham can get three wins in a row. A return of the horn would be nice. We keep seeming to not win on the third attempt, which is uh, quite annoying for fans of the horn. But uh, if we do, it will be back. But until then, have a great week. Come on, you whites. You whites.
Hello, listening after the pod fans. A little treat for you. I found the video that Jack was talking about, which is Ali G and Muhammad Al Fired singing Here Comes the Shopkeeper. Uh, originally, Here Comes the Hot Stepper by Innie Kamosi. And I thought it was too good not to share. So here's a little audio nugget. Have a great weekend. Bye, everybody. DJ, give me the beat. His name is Mohammed Alfayed. He got a big winky Alfayed. Na 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 na